What's up, guys? It's Heather, your rom-com queen. Hey, it's Lucretia, your thrill seeker. And this is Stephanie, your wild card. And we are The The Reading Reading Sirens. Well, hello, everyone. Hey. Hey. It's The Reading Sirens today with author Haley Newland. And we'll be discussing her book, Take Your Turn, Teddy. First, we're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves. This is Stephanie, or on Instagram, you know me as at Lit for Lit. I'm Heather. I'm Books and Doggies on Instagram. I'm Lucy. I'm here to read on Instagram. This is Haley Newland. You guys can find me on Instagram at Haley Newland Author. And I am the author of the horror novel, Take Your Turn, Teddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. We are super excited because, I mean, although it's not going to air in March, you're our last March author that we're interviewing, and it happens to be Women's History Month. (laughs) Women in Horror Month, too. Yes, there you go. So we're super excited that we get to, like, we got to fit you in, like, at least at the end, but we got to fit you in here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So we... By we, I mostly mean I truly enjoy horror, <laughs> so I was really excited we for this love one. love it. We all love it. Actually, Heather has learned to love it, too. She's our rom-com queen, but... I'm adapting. Uh, I think That's she's awesome. going to be our rom-com horror queen pretty Probably. soon. Probably. <laughs> she's our twisted rom-com queen. Right? Yeah. There's going to be some paranormal love in the future here. <laughs> Possibly. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I listened... Well, do you want to give us a little summary about the book? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny because I think authors like it's what's your book about? And they freeze. Um, (laughs) So I when I started writing Take Your Turn, Teddy, I was like, this is going to be fun. It's going to take place in 1970s. And for those of you who have read Teddy, you're like, fun. (laughs) That book is heavy and it's 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 uh, heartbreaking. But I was actually in the middle of um, just beginning my mental health um, kind of recovery and diagnosis. And um, I'm now two years into um, recovering from an eating disorder and um, I seeking like therapy for PTSD and stuff like that. So I just really got deep into childhood trauma. And even outside of my therapy, I just kept thinking, horror is such a great genre to explore this not because you know trauma has that shock factor but also just because it horror orbits really good horror orbits around vulnerable people and so i thought i think i'm going to infuse this into take your turn teddy and i just kind of opened up a different part of myself than i expected to be there so it does take place in the 1970s Um, It does pay some ode to the classics, but it definitely has a heavy, heavy psychological um, element as well. Yeah, I'm I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that was actually one of the notes that I had is that I really, you know, when when I see Teddy and his acceptance pretty much of the demon, I see that as coming from a place of innocence and desperation, which really shows just like a, a child's love and confusion over his family, you know? And so it really made me wonder if that was like your way of giving a nod to like the effects of trauma on a young brain, or even it even reminded me of like Stephen King's early characters where 
there's some psychological stuff going on, but then there's a mix of like the supernatural element. So I was just really wondering where that came from for you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, I think Stephen King was kind of the, the, what's the word? He was kind of the fuel to my flame to kind of start talking about psychology in, in, um, in trauma in my books. And I've studied psychology in depth for about six years. Um, I'm actually minoring in it. Um, I majored in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I do have an MFA, but I, you know, even everything I have going on, I'm like, can I take any psychology courses? <laughs> um, but so that's always been a passion of mine. And what I kept going back to when I was studying psychology was childhood trauma. And I kept reading that and being like, oh my gosh, these poor kids, like they've been through so, so much. My, my life has been so normal, that kind of thing. And I actually spoke that out loud to, to uh, my boyfriend of seven years. And I said, my life has just been so normal. Like I feel awful for these people. And he said, Haley, it really hasn't. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? And then my mind just fell deep into this oh my gosh, like, okay, my parents weren't like other people. You know, there were times when um, we did have abuse in the household and when I was really scared. And I realized that what I had fallen into was about 20 years of dissociation Uh and just saying, nope, that's normal. Nope, I had a normal life. And so I actually started trying to write a little, just a little bit more about what I was reading about this trauma. And I was like, okay, not my connection, just what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote that 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 one scene, and I, I won't spoil it for readers, but the scene where Teddy and his mother leave, mm-hmm. they they leave the home in Indiana. And when I wrote that, my editor sent me a comment back, and he said, you, "This feels so heavy. I know you didn't make this up, and you experienced it, and for that, I'm sorry." And I remember just like I just like sunk in my chair and was like, "Did I experience this?" And it was like. Yeah, you did. So it was so weird how much Teddy kind of led me through getting in touch with my childhood self, kind of nurturing her a little bit, getting to know her. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize how much that little little girl, if I was thinking of her as a different person, how much she started to trust, um, you know, the negative, these thoughts that you are alone, that you are not loved, that you are not this. And that's what started to happen with Teddy. And mm-hmm. so I try to personify that with the shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, I mean, it feels like the the shadow took advantage of Teddy in, in such a vulnerable stage, you know, for Teddy. Um, well, it's to me, it was almost um, it was reminiscent of like the Amityville horror type of yes. you know movies that you see where they well. I see a lot of demon movies too. So, you know, the demons always <laughs> prey on like the too. weakest, <laughs> the weakest spirited or, you know, the whoever's going through the toughest time and then that's yeah. who they essentially attack. Um, and so you definitely see that with Teddy. Um, and I, I do want to say too, you know, I did, I I think one of the, the p- moments in the book that touched me the most was just your initial description of like what you were going through um oh, when you were writing you. it note from the author yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. well I appreciate that and I when I wrote the note from the author um it was actually kind of it was it was interesting because in my first book I wrote a note from the author as well 
And, you know, I know that some readers don't read it, um, and that's okay. <laughs> but I always write them just because I do, I love the connection with my readers. And I love having a space, um, whether they choose to, you know, come into the space or not, where I can tell them, you know, here's kind of what's been going on. Here's kind of how this formulated. And I just, I like that communication between me and the readers. Um, but it was interesting because when I wrote my first book, which was a young adult horror um, called Not Another Sarah Halt, when I first wrote that, I was basically explaining this question that I kept getting, and it was why horror? Mm-hmm. And so I went deep into kind of like, you know, the vulnerabilities of horror and, you know, all these different scopes of it. And but basically it was an ode to Pennywise. <laughs> it was really all about how much I love Pennywise and how much his character got me into horror. And so I think when when I wrote the note from the author in Take Your Turn Teddy, people expected something kind of in the same vein. Mm-hmm. And it was I remember writing it and then I sent it to my editor and I go, I don't know if I overshared and I said I just sat down and it was like I wrote this and I said this felt like the first deep breath I'd taken in a year Mm -hmm. and he's like no we have to use it we have to use this yeah I think as readers we really appreciate that because it's you know you're bearing your soul to us you know it's 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 making that connection beyond just the story and in with the author and so I mean, I truly appreciate it. I think it was very touching and it was. It, it shows like, your strength you. a lot. Yeah. It gives us kind of a glimpse into what you're kind of feeling, you know, during yeah. or after the writing. And it really kind of, wow, maybe that's where some of the creepiness comes from at yeah. that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And it just, it's your state of mind. And it was really, I, I love reading the note mm-hmm. from author. To me, I like, I really enjoy yeah. that just for the simple fact. I know a lot of readers, like you mentioned, don't read it, but I really enjoy I it. I always mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I always do, We're too. those people. I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And honestly, um, it became this thing for me where when I was writing Take Your Turn Teddy, you guys, you guys know, I follow you guys on Instagram, too, but, you know, I, I'm dark and I love... Um, Vincent Price and I love horror and I love Tim Burton and but Mm -hmm. it became this really weird thing where I became very like just interested and connected to Van Gogh and I realized it was because I shared kind of that like that tortured artist kind of mindset Mm -hmm. and I realized well when I was in the depths of it for a year less than a year writing Take Your Turn Teddy you know he he experienced it for most of his life Mm -hmm. and so I remember I, I was writing Teddy and I just kind of started to ache and I would feel this heaviness. And I just remembered, you know, Van Gogh doing that same thing and just aching and hurting and, you know, mentally feeling very unstable, but mm-hmm. continuing to create, you know, creating not, not just despite that, but actually like in spite of it, you know, creating mm-hmm. with that. And so I actually, I, it was hard, but I would say, like, I know you're depressed. I know you are like bummed as hell, but you have to get to the keyboard. And so mm-hmm. honestly, those really heavy moments with Teddy were either how I was feeling as I was writing it or how I felt looking back at some of my childhood trauma and kind of uncovering it. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of the scenes too, you kind of get that outer body experience when you're describing these scenes and you mentioned Van Gogh and how he was just like getting into the zone and I feel like the forest scene for me was like I was 
hovering over the walk through the forest (laughs) or (laughs) I don't know it was just intense like Mm -hmm. I don't know it was like an outer body experience like Mm -hmm. yeah the whole play by play Mm -hmm. just like seeing everything through the characters yes it was so easy to do that with your descriptions of the setting your descriptions of the Mm -hmm. characters the feelings Mm -hmm. I think that's something that is very special about your writing is that you're where I was able to uh, or I felt like I felt what the characters were feeling yeah. in that yeah. moment. Especially That's the basement. The basement got me, girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy because I, so as I was digging through this, you know, I kept thinking, where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. And so not my first book, not another Sarah Hall started in New Hampshire and Teddy starts New Hampshire because that's where I went to school. And then I decided, it was when I decided, okay, Teddy and his mom are going to leave. You know, they have to leave. And that's not a major spoiler for you guys. Um, (laughs) But Teddy and his mother will have to leave at some point. And where am I taking them? And as I was going through therapy, I I totally blocked out this point in my life where my mom had just um, gotten married. um, And we moved. You know, I, I was used to living right down the street from Purdue University, you know, like football games and campus life. Like even as a young kid, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of, um, you know, just like student activists and it just kind of used to kind of a city feel. Mm -hmm. Well, we ended up moving to Delphi, Indiana and there's nothing (laughs) in Delphi, Indiana. There's really nothing. And so the, I, I started to remember kind of the farmhouse that I grew up in and it was down the street from, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I've never really spoken it at this war. Um, and it was totally like a silence of the lambs kind of vibe because <laughs> we, would, we would sit outside around the fire and you would hear the pigs oh, and wow. you could hear them. And honestly, I remember as a kid, just like it freaked me out, but I went to um, kind of on field trips and stuff in, in school. We went and we saw these different farms and we, we just saw like, you know, normal pig. And I kept remember thinking, oh, I don't like the noises they make. They're loud. And so I tried to think, okay, well, they're just, there's a lot of them. So they're being really loud. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I would, I remember I'd go to bed and we'd open the window because it got so hot. We'd open the window and there was always this heavy, heavy, earthy kind of coppery smell. And it wasn't until I started going through therapy and thinking about this again that I realized, oh, my God, I was laying in bed at night hearing the pig scream and (laughs) smelling the blood. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if you take someone like Teddy, just like you did for me, and even not knowing quite what it is, that is terrifying to a child. And so I was like, you know, I don't think I realized how terrified I was. And so I started to kind of put all these little Indiana farm things into Teddy's new experience just to really kind of put that culture shock. Because doesn't that seem to always be how it goes when you're hitting this like really heavy mental point in your life, this big ass change comes and makes it feel even more catastrophic and even more confusing, that kind of thing. So I, as much as I love Teddy, I had to jar him a bit and putting him there kind of seems seem to, to seal the deal mm-hmm. nice. I used to raise pigs in 4-H and FFA so that part kind of traumatized me <laughs> oh I'm so sorry. no 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 you're good but I was just like oh no like yes. well I know I, 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 um, I actually am a vegetarian now 
Um, and I, I, I am. And I think honestly, I started talking about that with, with uh, my therapist and it just got to the point where it freaked me out. And, oh, yeah. um, yeah. And it's, you know, everybody does their own thing. I'm an identical twin and I still, oh, cook, wow. um, I still cook steaks and stuff for my sister on the grill and all Aww. that. It's so funny. Oh, that's people nice. Like, oh, people go, oh, she's a vegetarian too. And Hannah's like, does that come with bacon? <laughs> <laughs> your, your writing to me is very captivating. Is there anything that you would credit for your writing style? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a great question. Um, so I'm sure you guys noticed in the, in, um, take your turn, Teddy, there are multiple Beatles references. <laughs> yes. And, uh, again and again, I kind of throw it at you. At one point my editor goes, okay, Haley. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right. But I, I wanted, I wanted that to be Teddy's, um, Teddy's safety net. I wanted him to connect to the Beatles and it ended up becoming kind of a way I connected him to Strode too. Mm-hmm. Um, they both kind of mm-hmm. listened to the Beatles. Even with Strode, if it was like a natural passing kind of thing, you know, on the radio, but he enjoyed it. Um, but when I was younger, we we didn't have a ton of money, but, and um, I would stay with my grandfather from time to time, and he was just, or he is, he is a diehard Beatles fan, just obsessed and taught me everything I know, um, not only about the Beatles, but Jimi Hendrix and um, Cream and just all the best, like, kind of 60s era music. Well, I remember whenever I would get really upset, he would play the Beatles and more than any other music, the Beatles comforted me. And I started to realize it's because the Beatles music told these super captivating creative stories, right? And so I was listening to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds Mm -hmm. and I'm laying there and, you know, my mom's getting married or whatever else is upsetting me. And I'm picturing a girl in the sky, you know, and um, why am I forgetting the lyrics? I don't know where. Um, She's in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> yes, but like tangerine trees and mm-hmm. marmalade skies and all that. And I just, I remember that feeling, that kind of escapism. And even when they said, you know, they would sing really sad songs, like there's one called She's Leaving Home. And it's all about this daughter getting up in the middle of the night and, and leaving without telling her parents. No matter what it was, the detail and description and the weight of just even just the singular words they chose really, really puts the readers there and allowed them to feel the emotion. So the Beatles kind of taught me it's emotion first and, you know, then kind of that shock and fun, whimsical character development, like second. Like, And that's kind of why people always get on me because I... I hate, I'm so sorry, you guys. I think every time I go to the podcast, I get, what? Um, I hate the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I hate that movie. I hate it too. Oh, I do too. <laughs> really? Love really? Matthew. Okay. Hate the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> so my problem with movies like that is, you know, people are getting sliced and diced, but we don't mm-hmm. care. We don't, mm-hmm. I mean, other than it's like, oh man, like that's that poor girl. But I mean, it's not like, no, like you cannot kill her. She, she has this and this and... You know, I want to be like desperately pleading like for a character. Mm-hmm. And so I think my style is really that before I take anybody from the readers, I want the readers to love them or empathize with them or um, even if they hate them, see what they mean to somebody else, that kind of thing. And it makes the horror, it makes the gore and the shock 
meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, it makes it heavier. And that was something that was really important to me. And it sounds crazy, but I honestly think the Beatles taught me that and that became a huge part of my style. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I, I can definitely see that, especially when you say, you know, how descriptive the Beatles are in their lyrics. And that's true. Like I, you, you know, even, I don't know if you ever watched a, is it across the universe where it's like a musical yes. based off of the Beatles music. And so it almost like makes, I mean, it's very different from what you probably think in your own head, because I think we all have our own images, but yeah. just like their music makes us feel emotions. I think your book really made us feel that. And I really want to say I do, I applaud your ability to write not just about people with inner demons, but also about people with a demon inside. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they're, they're very different things, but at the same time in your writing, there were some moments where the lines were blurred. Like, you know, right. with Strode, there's a lot of moments where you're like, well, is he going insane or is he really seeing something, you know? And that's yeah. kind of, I, I mean, personal experience I've lived in haunted houses before so I think you know uh, like for me after go- yeah I have I have uh, girl what? I have some That's stories <laughs> she could give you so I many mean, book yeah. ideas I have stories <laughs> yes. even um when me and my husband first met our encounters have been of the supernatural kind too. So, um, that's for another another time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll, we'll make it, we're trying to do like some, some fun stuff in the summer. So maybe we'll put it in there somewhere. But, um, so, so even, you know, going to college and I, I majored in psychology. So a lot of the time I was like, wait, was this just me masking my trauma with like these haunted things? But I was like, okay, no, obviously like other people felt it too, you know, but in writing that, like, what did you find more complicated? Was it more complicated to write about this person? And, and you know, it, to me, reading it, it was so easy to see, like, oh, this person is struggling with all these things. And then, whoa, this person is struggling with all these things. And yeah, there's a supernatural entity, you know? So wh- what was more yeah. complicated for you to write? So I started off, the first scene I actually wrote for Teddy um, was actually with Strode. And I know that that would surprise a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, was actually with Strode. And it was Strode. And the scene didn't end up making it to the book. But um, this isn't a, a spoiler. But it was Strode's... Um, when Strode is called to the... What did I call it? Oh, my God. Um, the house in Indiana. I know it's... Oh, the... It's the sun. Is it the... It's the- a, Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my Warren, gosh. I, the, no, War- the Warren Forest. Warren but the Warrens house. lived in that house, but it was the, the it was Lila's maiden name, last name. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's the Silence of the Lambs reference. Um, oh. Guys, why am I spacing? It's going to come back sound? to you. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So it's, it's his him responding to um basically the warrens situation and i everything went down in the warrens um and that was heavily inspired by amityville because i just i read amityville and i just couldn't get over the fact that whether you know there was all these did they did they do it on purpose did they try to publicize it kind of thing Mm -hmm. um to me i was just like 
I, I, I leaned into it. I leaned into it when I was reading it. I mean, the description and everything. And I just kept imagining what it would be like to walk in on the aftermath of something and then like that. And then I realized, oh my God, people do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's, 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 you know, different things like, you know, a true crime, that kind of thing. But so that's what I wrote first. And so I, I had obviously the shadow was at play there. And so that's what I wrote first. And then I thought, well, then who does the shadow go to next? And that's kind of where I got stuck. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm moving past this family. And I was, as I told you guys, I was going through therapy and stuff. And my therapist taught me to separate me now from childhood me and look at her and say, you know, what would you say to her? How, how would you respond to her? And I'd be like, oh my God, like this child, like she didn't, you know, all these things, you know, where you really for the first time I was empathizing with myself Mm -hmm. and I kind of was like, man, I really had this this like sort of entity, figuratively speaking, clinging to me that was like, you are alone, you are not lovable. And that became my constant. That's what I started to trust was that other voice. And so I thought, you know, kids have imaginary friends, but what if a kid had that that voice when they're feeling alone, amplifying it and poking Mm -hmm. at them, that kind of thing. And so I actually found that it was easier to create that first kind of this thing that just the tormentor first. And it was much more complicated to create who was being tormented. Since we're on the topic, I have to ask were the Warrens a reference to like Ted and Lorraine? They were. Oh (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they were. Yes. Yes. And then, I, I do it in everything. I try to drop so many. Um, I believe there's there's definitely some some Halloween, obviously, with Officer Strode. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe when we go to, is it Warren Woods? Yeah. Um, which that, that worked out brilliantly. Um, I almost changed it to not be um, confusing, but I was actually pulling up like a GPS of like these wooded like kind of hiking areas in Michigan because um, I had just gone there for a writing retreat. And it was called Warren. And I was like, I cannot change it. Like, it just, it's going to be fine. It has to be Warren <laughs> It has to work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I used it twice and nobody's ever been like, that's so confusing. So I think it's, I hopefully it's fine. But um, I had to keep that. But um, there's a scene where the coroner comes to um, Warren Woods and it's kind of a small, um, small town um, kind of business. And I had the business names Haddonfield after the town in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, there's a little, there's some, there's some horror references throughout. Michael Myers is my favorite. <laughs> yes. I have I to Myers. say, I really like Jason. And there's somebody in the book whose name is Jason, and it happened to be after a fire. So I was wondering if you also named that person or referenced that person, or am I just making yeah. connections? <laughs> nope. You, no, you, you are, you guys are making my heart so happy. <laughs> I put those in there and I'm like, ha ha ha. <laughs> but, but no, I, I went on this, um, this kind of this, it was so much fun. And my, my, um, boyfriend, Jeremy, he is such a trooper. So whenever I start a new project, I always kind of find these little, like these little areas and I dive in like, so hard and so for about 
probably two months, nearly every night or every other night, we were watching kind of 70s, um, you know, maybe crossing into early 80s horror movies. And so, you know, we did Friday the 13th and we did Halloween and um, Rosemary's Baby and all these different horror movies. And I just thought, okay, these are giving me so many ideas. These were what kept me going, you know, when Mm -hmm. I was going through this depressive state and stuff, I was like, okay, but I love this genre. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make little nods throughout here and there. And so it's so cool that you guys picked up on those. They don't make movies like that anymore. Those are like the best. They don't. Mm -hmm. They don't. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I they try them. to remake them, but then they no. Them. <laughs> right? No, and they, you're right. You're right. Well, and I'm sure. I don't know if you guys, um, if you guys have seen it, but on my on my page, I post a lot about Vincent Price. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge, just diehard Vincent Price fan. I I love really really old horror, like 1950s, um, and just because I love how simple it was, and what I mean by that is you really have to rely on the actors, you know, when you don't have all these effects, all these kind of things. And mm-hmm. Vincent Price to me is just an embodiment of horror. He walks in the room and you immediately feel dread and suspense <laughs> and unease. <laughs> and so he is just. That's me going into work. To me. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. We need that on a, on a coffee mug. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Dread, suspense, unease. I'm talking about horror movies. <laughs> right? But yeah, so um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, oh, and then, okay, so then I was on um, the, um, oh my gosh, I'm spacing. I was on a podcast, and we, we had to watch the, the remake of House of Wax. So Vincent Price's House of Wax is 1953, and the other House of Wax, I can't remember if it's 2003, 2005. The Paris Hilton one? The Paris Hilton one, and it was, I'm so sorry if any of you love it, but no. it, it was so bad, it was so, and honestly, it wasn't Paris Hilton's fault, you know, Paris no, Hilton no. did, did yeah. what they, they wanted Paris Hilton to do, to come fill theater seats, what bothered me so much about that is, you know, they, when they showed trailers and stuff, they showed Paris Hilton's death in that movie so it was basically like come watch Hurtful and died I'm like good mm-hmm. god like you know we don't have to love her or love her tv show but mm-hmm. come on like we don't want to watch her but, die yeah I mean it, it just it's I mean it's fine because it's a slasher but it was just weird that that was what they put in the trailer for me I was just like come on guys yeah I loved the cop scenes do you see yourself writing like another book on the trio like on another case <sighs> Yeah, honestly, I do. And that makes me happy. I really, pre- I really appreciate <laughs> you guys saying that because, you know, when, when Take Your Turn Teddy does get bad reviews, um, it's always that. People oh, are no. upset that it has the, the crime procedurals. And um, I love it. Which is fair. I'm like, Thank don't you. they know Thank you me. love true crime? Well, on top of that, it's <laughs> yeah. a 70s vibe. And, you know, it's, yeah. what is it a 70s right? vibe without a trio? You got to have, like, two back, yes. like, poor cops. <laughs> one's going insane, yes. one's a drunk, <laughs> and then right? one's a rookie. Yes. Well, you got to have rookie yes. girl bossing them around. Day. Damn, I love you guys. Yay! <laughs> so that means you'll yes. come back, right? <laughs> yes, of course. No, you guys are so much fun. But, yeah, so people get – people – 
Am I allowed to curse on your show? Oh, yeah. That's why. We already we made ourselves E for explicit. Yeah, we have explicit. You should see one of our segments that's coming up after this. Awesome. I can't wait. But, you know, when people when people um, give me the bad reviews on Teddy, it's always they're pissed about the procedure. And I'm just like, that's I mean, dumb. first of all, first yeah. of all, what the hell? Because if you read the description, it says, a year later, Officer Schrode. Um, but... But I, I mean, I get it at the same time because I do think people, when they dive into supernatural horror, they just want it to stay there. But I kept thinking if I, I, it was a huge part, you know, I finished kind of that first part of the book where, you know, it's Teddy in the shadow. And then I thought, okay, I used this one scene. I wrote this one scene with Strode. Do I, do I keep going on with Strode? And I let him go. It was the weirdest I kept talking mm-hmm. about all these different things Teddy and the Shadow were doing, and I thought the readers who are really invested in Teddy are really like game with this point. Know how awful the Shadow is. They know what's coming next. They mm-hmm. know that Teddy is going to keep falling, keep falling. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, what if we showed somebody instead who was hurt by by the Shadow? You know, unknowingly mm-hmm. is scarred by it and sees something similar unraveling again you know i thought this whole book is about trauma Mm -hmm. and so what if we showed that angle and so i knew it my editor said some readers are not gonna like this and i said it feels so right clayton my editor clayton i said it feels so right Mm -hmm. and he's like all right let's do it (laughs) and i'm like hey we've always been like fucking rebels and everything we've written let's just do it heck yeah and and honestly i look back and i I wouldn't change it i i I think it was an essential piece to the book Mm -hmm. because i mean you got to figure out like follow the traces like to try and figure out exactly what you're dealing with so you Mm -hmm. needed that in there yeah right and i feel like for a supernatural horror too like heather was saying the vessel usually for you to get more of a discovery of what's happening is either an exorcist priest or a cop, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So obviously you went the cop route and it worked out pretty well. Like, you got I it was, spot yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> I watched all the cop shows and then my dad was a cop. So I oh, grew wow. up kind of around that. So I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I really was. liked it. Your dad was a cop. Yeah. Oh, I loved going on ride alongs. <laughs> it was like the best oh, thing God. to me. Yeah. That's so, it's so cool. It was honestly, you guys, just hours and hours and hours of research. And I just, I wanted to make it authentic because I wanted to show people you know, when a, when a cop is in, like, the heat of an investigation like mm-hmm. that, especially if there is that past trauma with that, it kind of sounds like, like a cliche, but you don't realize how how much the internal triggers kind of vary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I introduced his partner, Burklow, and he comes with his own triggers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know, then we show um, his other partner, Finch, and she kind of has her own triggers and her own, yeah. and her own troubles. And what's so cool is when you bring these three people in, you realize that these people who help people, who investigate that kind of thing, how much horror they've experienced. Yeah. And so even though there's this like this disbelief and this question of belief going on, at the same time, it's like, who else can can really grapple with this better than these three people, mm-hmm. you know, who have already truly experienced horror? 
Yeah. And for me, it felt too easy to say, okay, here's what Teddy and the shadow are doing. Here's all the people they're tormenting. Blah, blah, blah. But instead mm-hmm. it was now let's put somebody on their tracks. Yeah. You know, and if I felt like if I went the other way, if I showed Teddy and um, the shadow doing everything, I was going to have to introduce somebody at some point. Somebody was going to have to, you know, almost catch him. Somebody was going to mm-hmm. have to start digging around. And to me, it was more interesting to show the weight and the heaviness and the frustration of somebody following the trail. Yeah. Well, I mean, cops see the worst of the worst mm-hmm. with people and they do have trauma Mm -hmm. and so having to go through that and I kind of liked seeing how Strode was kind of helped to get out of that Mm -hmm. and by his whole process was probably hopefully afterwards was able to kind of take some of that pressure off and actually get better Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it was I think the reason that I started to do it was I was reading about, you know, we hear so much about the Ted Bundy case and we or multiple cases, but we hear so much about him in particular or, you know, his girlfriend, Liz, or, but we don't really get to hear a lot from the investigating officers at that time. Mm-hmm. And if you go back, there's one officer um, early on and it wasn't a young or, you know, it wasn't a child like, um, like the Warren girl was. But she's, I think she's 17 years old. Um, I'm trying to remember. Georgian Hawkins. It's, it was Georgian Hawkins. That was the victim. And the officer said that it was so traumatizing for him. He would wake up at night and think he saw her. Oh, no. um, he, would, he would go to the grocery store and, you know, a woman with dark hair would walk by and he'd be like, Georgian. And even though he already received the news that she was likely dead, he was so desperate to find her that he was seeing her mm-hmm. even after they, they, you know, they brought that in. And I just kept thinking like, my God, like, you know, people don't realize, you know, when we read war novels, we're like, Oh, that's the extreme of the extreme. And yeah. it's like, it's really not, you know, it's no. really not, it's really not, you know, it, whether it be in a dream, whether it be someone walking by you and you're like oh I thought you were somewhere someone else it really does happen and trauma just kind of trickles in wherever it wants to mm-hmm. um I wanted to say like I I, I mean I follow you on Instagram so <laughs> <laughs> and I even I've read some books just because you recommended them um oh. and I do want to say your love for true crime really shows especially in parts two and parts three um, you know, I feel like you you did such a good job of showing those pl- police procedural aspects, like Heather was saying. Um, do you ever see yourself venturing into more of either the thriller, true crime, or like the even the crime thriller genres? That's such a good question. Um, and honestly, when I wrote my first book, not another Sarah Halls, I expected it to just strictly be thriller, kind of true crime, and. But the more I got into it, um, my heart was just like, where's the supernatural? Where's the horror? Mm-hmm. And so I think for now, at this point in my writing career, um, my next book is so, so true crime heavy. It's so true crime heavy. Um, but it is still very, very horror. I'm actually grappling with um, my, my third book is called The Nowhere Man. Oh. And uh, yeah, and that is actually another Beatles reference. Um, but the nowhere man follows, um, a serial killer, but also kind of a deranged priest. So I wanted to take take my love of true crime 
and then my love of 1970s i'm taking raiders back to the 70s um and then also pull in this religious horror factor and it's so weird because i i said i don't ever see myself write religious horror somebody asked me that after i reviewed uh, midnight mass and then i reviewed uh, the burning girls by cj tudor and cunning folk by um adam neville and people kept saying okay you're reading a lot of religious horror do you see yourself you know writing that and i'm like no no what do you know i start writing and it's like and then what if there's a priest <laughs> so so now i'm going back i'm watching the conjuring and rosemary's baby and and um having a lot of fun there and so with that i've been studying um the night stalker in a lot of in depth so Ew. I think, sorry, long answer short is true crime will always be there, whether one day it'll take over completely. I'm not sure. I think my my love is when, when the two kind of dance together. If you ever need research assistance, I volunteer as Tribune. <laughs> yes. I, need I, that is, I would love that. <laughs> I was going to whore out our names if you need victims for your... <laughs> <laughs> or a serial killer. I wouldn't mind that either. Oh, that, that works. Yeah, we'll take the serial no, killer you role. You guys will be my, my final girls who figure it all out. Oh, yes. I would I've love that. I've never seen myself as final girl. I'm a Lucretia Borgia all the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you need some uh, religious aspects, there you go. Lucretia Borgia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And speaking of, of religious horror, I have to put in a little plug real quick. If you guys don't follow Spencer Hamilton. Oh, um, did you read Sister Fun Time? <laughs> I read Sister Fun Time. You should see my and... face right now. My eyes are twice as big as they usually <laughs> I loved that I, book. I loved it too. And Spencer just brings such an incredible voice to religious horror Mm -hmm. and I told him I go I don't know what you're doing right now but I need more and I told him I love his novellas but I want a full I know I was the religious horror novel from him he's just he's brilliant he's actually a really great friend of mine um he's just a fantastic author but if you're into religious horror check out Sister Fun Time by yes. Spencer Hamilton. It's fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. And I think, so that I know you know Jamie Stewart, right? Yes. Because yes, the three him. of us really, I mean, we read his short stories, and I think one of the ones where we all really gravitated towards one character was The Woman Under the White Tree. Yes. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm hoping he beautiful. makes me the priest's ex-wife before he turned into a priest. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I whore out our names. Yeah, She's I already been in one book. I kid you not. She's been a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Pantoja. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. yes. That's the, awesome. the author, uh, Tana Finsky, needed a unique name that wasn't very common and so she picked mine that <laughs> it's is very weird brilliant. i'm hey. gonna message you guys next time i need little details yeah <laughs> okay so another thing since you like religious horror i know this is a cult horror so it's a little different but you said you wanted a hefty book the miracle sin by marcus hawk <laughs> oh yes you need to get on that that book um, is amazing I, I actually, so it's so funny, you guys, you guys are like, um, in my little circle right now. So Mm -hmm. I have like, um, a group on Instagram and we just write, you know, we talk to one another, we share like what we're writing and we help one another out. And it's like me, Brianna Morgan, Spencer Hamilton, Mike Salt, Thomas Gloom, um, Marcus Hawk, um, so many like of us little indie authors. And so that's so cool that you guys have kind of found your way into 
our web. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes. we love we love you guys. And honestly, I think these last couple of years, the best books we've read have been indie books. Yes. Yep. Aww, so, that's so yeah. awesome to hear. And so um, hear. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Thomas Gloom was the one who did who read your book right on the audiobook? Yes, Thomas Gloom narrated um, the audiobook for Take Your Turn, Teddy. It was it was so funny because he so I went through probably oh my gosh I think close to 70 tryout clips (laughs) and there was one I liked and I was like why do I like this one why do I like this one I kept thinking about it I kept thinking about it and I'm like oh my gosh this just sounds like um somebody who read like an anniversary edition of an Anne Rule book so I realized I don't like this I just recognized it and so I still didn't find what was fitting for me and then Thomas goes hey how's it going like did you find somebody and I was like no I was like I'm actually like kind of kind of sad I said and it, and it sucks like because I, I want this to come out and I said but I just I'm not okay with just settling with anybody mm-hmm. and I said there's really I said the biggest thing for me is the shadow I said I have met so many cool people who can read Teddy and it sounds really great I had one reader who I swear to God um, just copied the sixth sense child's voice oh. and I was like um, but I was like what? and then I then I had other people who listened to lines from the shadow and I was like this is freaking Gandalf like this is not, oh. this is not <laughs> or like you know like a deranged Dumbledore um, oh, funny. and so I was describing it to Thomas and he's like they need to do it more like this and he sent me an audio clip on Instagram. And so I was actually his first audiobook ever. And oh, that's so he cool. sent me that and I said, Thomas, you have to you have to read my book. And he's like, No, he's like, I just did that one thing just to show you I don't do that. And I was like, You need to do that. You need to do that right now. So he set up an account and everything. We signed the deal that day. And now Aww. he he does it. He's he's read multiple audiobooks now. So I wow. listened to the audio and I've been torturing my coworkers and I'll go and tell them, Hello there. <laughs> and it freaks them out. Oh my god! I have to tell you right now. I just like just hearing you say that. I just feel like if like twenty year old me could hear that, I would be on a podcast and somebody would be tormenting their friends with something that I wrote. I would just I would never believe it. Be like, nah. So I. I gave, oh, I, I gave my coworker that's across the street, I called her, and she answered, and that's how I answered her. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she was like, you wanna... just gave me goosebumps. Don't do that again. <laughs> I'm going to hire you for the next, next audiobook reading. <laughs> well, I love it. I love torturing them. It's fun. <laughs> I, you know, that's what you're for. You know, I love it, too. That's, that's You have to have like fun. Something. Yeah. So with that in mind, with that creepy voice, what did you guys think of the clown? Oh, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) I was like half thinking, okay, poltergeist clown, half thinking it's teeth, you know? Yes. I think it was the teeth for me that I was like, oh, no. But I've always kind of, okay, so... Our quality time as family when I was like four was watching slashers and scary movies. So, so awesome. it that's where it took me. It was like the original it Pennywise, the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the of course it the clown. Yes. Uh, no, sorry, the poltergeist clown that just kinda like arms are stretching. Yeah. <laughs> somehow movie. I don't know yes. why at that age to me that was more sinister than, you know, 
it giving you a balloon. Yeah. 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 Well, because, you know, back in the 70s, the TVs with static and you would like, and you would wake up to static and that Mm -hmm. would be it. My biggest thing was when he was trying to barf in the the toilet and he was hearing the sounds behind him and he tried to turn his head as well as barf. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just leave me alone. I just want to burn. The part I hated in that movie was the pool. Oh. oh <laughs> no, man. I did not like that did part at all. Did you know? Well, I don't know if this is fake trivia, but did you know that they actually, it was cheaper to get real skeletons than fake ones? So, yeah. Cause oh, that's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, well... I, I started, you know, and um, do you guys follow Marcy Reads on Instagram? I it don't sounds familiar, so. maybe. Okay, check out Marcy Reads. Um, Is it A-M-A-R-C-I? Uh, y, and then Reads. Okay. Reads as in, like, reading a book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, she, she reads. <laughs> Got it. Um, so, she is phenomenal, and she gave me one of, like, one of the reviews that still like touches my heart today and um she said like this book has everything like it has demons it has clowns and it was so funny because when she wrote that review i had forgotten that i put a clown in here (laughs) and um i was like i don't know what she's talking about and it's so funny because i have to go back and i'm so thankful for the audiobook but i have to go back and like listen to my book and i honestly think because i was going through such like a depressed time that i kind of stepped away from teddy you know and stephen king talks about that with some of the books that he wrote Mm -hmm. obviously stephen king was you know probably on a lot more drugs but (laughs) that was was his drug era but um but there was things i just forgot and i remember thinking that I wanted to connect, continue to connect Strode to Teddy and Teddy's like greatest love was baseball Mm -hmm. and um, Strode loved the Cubs. Mm -hmm. Well, I was playing around with these different ideas and I was like, you know, how can I actually use all these baseball references and maybe make something scary out of it? And so my God, it took so much research. I did digging and digging and then it turned out to be, you know, in my hometown in Indianapolis, where there used to be a minor league baseball team called the clowns and one of teddy's favorite baseball players that's in chapter one Mm -hmm. hammer and hank hammer and hank hank aaron started with the clowns so i thought that would just be a really cool way to tie them together my editor was like this is the most brilliant loop in the world you're you're so you're so mm-hmm. smart and I'm like this was totally accidental <laughs> i love how you but, tell him to Strode. he's like i'm gonna convert him into a cubs fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and that's actually that's actually based on um uh my partner jeremy my my boyfriend and him and i have been together for seven years and he is a diehard yankees fan and i am a diehard cubs fan and so we used to try to convert one another and then we're like oh they only play each other excuse me every three years so we're like (laughs) oh that's not bad so we can root for one another and i was like hey but if they ever meet at the world series i don't know you (laughs) (laughs) you're on different sides of the stadium (laughs) you guys need to buy each a jersey and then cut it in half and then sew the halves together (laughs) 
And I'm kind of mad at him right now (laughs) because this year, this year, half of my Cubs got traded to the Yankees. Oh, no. (laughs) Instant betrayal. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, that's so exciting that we can get their jerseys as Yankees. I'm like, no, no. (laughs) Um, If they win, tell him he doesn't get dinner. (laughs) Yes, I love that. He's on his own. (laughs) That's funny. Do you think um, anything or anyone would have been able to save Teddy? Oh, I love this question. Um, This is great. Um, So I'll tell you guys that I wrote the last chapter of Teddy the day the book was due to my editor, which that's that's bad. (laughs) That's so much pressure. That's so much pressure. So I wrote it, and my editor was like, "This is really crisp. This is this is um, sharp. You know, we'll get it over to to copy editing. You know, we'll do some development edits and stuff." And I was like, "Okay." I messaged him two hours later. It's an hour before the deadline, and I say, "Clayton, this doesn't feel right." And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Teddy can't have that 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 happy ending." Mm-hmm. And he's like. Haley, what are you, he's like, Haley, what are you saying? And I was like, Clayton, I said, think about it. I said, really think about it. And he's like, damn it, you're right. And are we, are we going to say spoiler alert here? How do you guys want me to do this? No, that's fine. You can say, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we spoil a lot of books. <laughs> or okay, okay. I was trying to, I was trying to dance around it, but so I actually also, so I should say this too. So in, in my bad reviews, the two biggest complaints I get is the switch to Strode. Um, and then the second is killing Teddy and people get so pissed. They're just so pissed. And, um, I, I want readers to know that when I killed Teddy, I was freaking sobbing at my computer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, Teddy. But it got to the point where I, I actually had extra therapy sessions that, that week because I told my therapist, I don't know what to do with Teddy. And he became very, very real for me. Mm-hmm. And my editors or my therapist, you know, she's all, um, you know, he he has love and he has these people fighting for him and that kind of thing. And then I met with her a second time and I told her, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And I said, I'm, I'm so depressed about it. And I said, I don't know what to do. And I said, nothing feels right. And then she said, is it because Teddy is you? And I'm like, I go, yeah, I, I do. I think Teddy is in some way a part of me. And when I wrote that note from the author, that part of me, that was the part of me that's Teddy. That was the part of me that only trusted you were always going to have these flashbacks. You were always going to have these nightmares. You were always going to be triggered. And, you know, this is your life. This is your normal. And so it was trusting the shadow. Right. That was the part of me that learned the only constant in my life with everybody, just like Teddy, with people leaving and, you know, getting hurt and disappointed and being alone. Just like Teddy, I started to think that was the only constant in my life. Mm -hmm. And so when my therapist said, is that because it's a part of you? I, for the first time, just felt so much better. And I thought, I have to kill that part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to come, if I'm going to come out of this book, and I'm going to write something new and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to tell readers, hey, this last year sucked. 
but you know, I'm back and I, you know, sat down with my trauma and, you know, got to know it and name it and that kind of thing. Um, I had to kill Teddy. I had to kill that part of me that the only constant it could cling to was the shadow, was those dark thoughts, was that heavy depression. And I did it and I cried and <laughs> cried and cried. And it wasn't even just like, oh my gosh, that was so sad. I will tell you guys, I was in a month, my like month of therapy after that was strictly about me mourning Teddy. <laughs> I seriously had to, I mourned him and it, it, it was because it became so personal. Mm-hmm. It just became so personal to kill him. And really to me, it was like looking at my childhood self and saying, I, I hear you, I see you now and I empathize with you, but the thoughts that you conjure now can't can't be here mm-hmm. can't can't exist in this is can't take up the space entirely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that was kind of my way of are you have you guys seen dr sleep or read the book mm-hmm. yes that I, i've read the book way, not seen it movie. yeah that was kind of my way of creating these boxes in my mind right and mm-hmm. so i you know i said okay i got you out i know you now i hear you but now it's time to go back it's kind of like setting and, yourself free yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was with Teddy. And when, and so then, you know, I'm at this hour deadline and, and obviously we cleaned it up, that kind of thing, but I had an hour to, you know, get the book in. And so then I write the, the closing out chapter with, with Strode and, you know, Strode finds, finds Jackie and Strode um, just kind of feels this release even in Teddy's death. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was like, Oh my God. Like I, to me, I felt like I had followed the journey, the arc of my mental health journey Mm -hmm. and got to this hopeful end with, with Strode. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you answered my follow-up question. (laughs) That was amazing. Honestly. Um, you know, to me, all I could think of when I saw, what happened with Teddy, you know, was, well, he got kind of like that sweet release of, you know, he was tortured for so long, um, or just so intensely at that very end, you know, and, and he was almost succumbing to, well, he was trying to succumb to his demons and, um, well, well, we know he gets killed and, um, it, 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 it ends that torture and, you know, just to see how much of yourself was put into that or your, your old self essentially, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's that's amazing I don't think I would have ever been able to write any of that the way you did <laughs> well, thank you yeah. thank mm-hmm. you well and I think what's important too is as much as you know I wanted to kill that part of me um my editor or sorry my therapist when I told her I killed Teddy and I said because I wanted to you know kind of essentially cut off that part of me she said do you feel cut off from Teddy and I was like, no, I don't, I don't think I ever will. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I do think mm-hmm. as much as he hurt me, I think Teddy saved me that year. Mm-hmm. And so she said, so I think that's kind of the point for readers too. You know, Teddy mm-hmm. in this story had to die, but we learn that just like how that pain is going to stay with Strode, that pain doesn't go away. You know, we can't just say, okay, hi, I met you. I learned about you and I feel better about you. Um, now you Now you can go. It's okay. I know you're here. Thank you for coming. But now it's time to be quiet. You know, now, now you can sit over here. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me, it was like, 
Teddy kind of taught me that if we don't name our trauma, confront it, get to know it, we kind of become entombed by it. And so Teddy was a way for me of kind of breaking out of my trauma. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic book. It was. (laughs) You guys are amazing. I love you. (laughs) Okay. So one more question, though, about another character. Sorry. Yeah. I tend to get like really into characters that are kind of like the underdog so we didn't hear much about this character until the end which was mr abrahams if i'm uh, pronouncing it correctly um so and the reason why you know i i really gravitated towards him is because i know that there's usually there's always that person who is trying to help but is really causing more harm or like getting in the way of the real help and I feel like he really personified that he was that person who was pretty much trying to cover it up right and and he thought Mm -hmm. that in so doing he was helping his friend but he wasn't so I I wanted to to kind of see where 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 did you decide that that was who he was going to be or or how did you come about that yeah um thank you so much that's such a brilliant question um, I feel bad. I feel like I'm giving you guys like heavy answers. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. This is what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I focus so much on my journey, my mental health, my my kind of low points and stuff. And then I thought, you know, the reason mental health gets so messy is because there are people who get caught in the crossfire. You know, the people who want to help don't know how to help say the wrong thing do the wrong thing that kind of that kind of thing and for me that's i wanted to show that there are those people that are deep down are really good they're really good and they see that sometimes things happen to people or they become reactive to certain things and it's because they have this deep internal trigger you know so whether it be you see somebody becoming really active about something and you're like, Oh my gosh, that was so small. That guy's a dick. And it's like this other person's like, no, I, you know, to me, that was like a total anxiety tick, you know, something like that. That's what I wanted Mr. Abram to be. I wanted him to be the person on the outside who said something else has to be happening here. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted, I wanted one more person who at the end of the day was going to give, this person the benefit of the doubt even if they believed in themselves to be a monster and um that to me just felt like oh my gosh i'm facing on the movie oh that was that to me came from um the conjuring 2 and it's when lorraine is talking to why can't i think of her name the little girl who gets possessed and oh, you know the, yeah we, the little british yeah the one where they're like England or something? Yeah, the little right? British yeah. girl. It's basically the British Amityville <laughs> horror. Yeah, no, um, it is. It's like, yeah. And yeah, but that little girl. The chair. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. That little girl, she is, she gets to the point where she just believes she's a monster. She believes that, you know, she's going to hurt people. There's nothing else she can do. But then you have someone like Lorraine who comes in and says, this is, this is not you. Mm-hmm. This is something that is, you know, in in the movie, literally possessing you. Mm-hmm. But to me, mental health feels a lot like possession sometimes mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel like you're steering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in possessive stories, sometimes they talk about being able to, like, 
see what the demon has done, but they're, you know, so deep into themselves, kind of like the sunken place and get mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to, to harness in um, Mr. Abram. I wanted him to kind of be the, the person like Lorraine, but he didn't make all the great decisions. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes when, sometimes when you're that empathetic, you make really bad decisions and it's you get so focused on helping this one person and then other people get hurt and and i think you know horror is known for being the messy genre but sometimes we don't think about how emotionally messy and morally messy it becomes too right right well i think it's more real mm-hmm. yeah because exactly. people aren't always cut and dry and neat mm-hmm. you know no, we're, we all we're tend all to be so... messy Yes, we're also rigid, we're gray, you know, whatever you want to say. And that's what I wanted to show in in Mr. Abram because he's he's allowing other people to be hurt. You know, he sees it, but then he's also trying to protect, you know, the Warrens. He's trying to protect um, specifically Mr. Warren, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard sometimes. And then you see him trying to protect um, kind of like Teddy and it's difficult because you see this person who started off with, okay, you know, this is my moral, I'm going to help. And then you see them betraying so many others. And I think that that's, that's reality, you know, as we start to lean into being an empath and then it's, then it gets messy. It's, it's, we get entangled in all these different, but, but what if this, oh, and then this, and it kind of becomes this, it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. No, yeah. And I think, you know, horror is definitely that genre where people can talk about difficult topics without, you know, it being as personal to them. Like they, it's, it's almost like, well, like you were mentioning the whole dissociation thing, you know, like you grow up a certain way and you kind of normalize the way, the things you see. And so for other people hearing those things that happened in real life, or a lot harder than them hearing like, oh, it was a demon that did this, or oh, it was a spirit that did that. And right. So, yeah. Right. And uh, honestly, I think when people talk about horror, they they forget that horror is an emotion first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to be horrified is an emotion just as much as romance or mm-hmm. um, excitement or happiness or anything else. You know, horror is an emotion. And so I think that the, in my opinion, the best kind of horror is not only the one that brings that shock value, but the things that make it twice as shocking because we have that emotion there. And so I will never say that movie sucks. It wasn't scary. Like Mm -hmm. that's not how I measure, measure horror anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like I used to, I used to be like, oh, that didn't even scare me. Ha ha. I'm so badass. Right? Like, I'm so tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tough. It didn't even scare me to flinch once. <laughs> but but now it's like, people, I'll talk about like movies like Get Out, and people will say, oh, that movie wasn't even scary. Okay, well, it didn't scare me in the sense that I had those jump scare reactions, but the things that, like, when the deer came up for him, and all these little trauma triggers, and then he goes into that sunken place where he feels totally out of control um to me that that was horrifying like there was no other emotion to describe it but you know horrific and so i think to me when you feel that 
And that's the kind of scare you can get to me. That's what makes really strong horror. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think, um, Jordan Peele did fantastic with that one, but Mike Flanagan is like a standout for me and, you know, taking emotion and horror. I love Bly Manor and the Haunting of Hill House and the Dr. Mm -hmm. Sleep movie. And I think he's fantastic. Nice. So you gave us a tidbit into your next book. Will we see any of our characters come back from Take Your Turn, Teddy? That's a good question. Well, uh, something I I don't know. I honestly think, I don't know if I've ever had a reader actually pick up on this. So I'll have to tell you guys and see what you you think. So the man that Teddy meets in prison, um, who who ends up hanging out with the shadow. Mm Mm-hmm actually is the grandfather of um the antagonist in my first book so it's kind of like because of what happened with teddy because the shadow leaves with him my first book happens and Uh so i'm trying to think if i'll maybe make some nods to it i even thought maybe just in the nowhere man if i had like my main character like she has the news on and like teddy's on the news or something like that so i don't I don't know if I'll like necessarily have it be like a meet and greet. Hi, like I'm this character or whatever. But I do think it would be interesting if they at least know about each other in some way. Yeah. Um, I I am not, I, I struggle with sequels um, because oh, okay. to me, I just keep thinking, does this feel concluded? And for me, I have to, you know, that's when I finish the book is when I feel these characters they're going to go on their way. They got it figured out, like that kind of thing. Um, but I do like, I love making nods to them. And I can, I can kind of see where maybe you guys are giving me ideas now. Now I'm brainstorming. <laughs> um, I could definitely see where maybe if anybody, if I brought anybody into the Nowhere Man, I honestly believe it would be Officer Finch. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> I was thinking that in my head. Me too. She kind of plays this sort of secondary role and then the more we get into her we're like oh no like finch runs this shit you know Mm -hmm. it's it's finch Mm -hmm. and so she kind of reminds me i sort of loosely gave her a little bit more like standout aggression but um i love holly gibney i know people are are either here or there but stephen king's character holly yes um i love love holly and so to me you know when you go and you read uh mr mercedes you kind of see a little bit more timid or at least she knows what people expect of her you know even mm-hmm. as she gets more involved with Hodges and then she's an the outsider yes and and she's just she doesn't have um Hodges there or any of her friends or anything but she just kind of runs the show and it's mm-hmm. because they gave her that support so I'm thinking Finch was already sure of herself but now she's got this you know kind of credibility to her as well mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe if I brought anybody back I might loop Finch into this crazy religious supernatural horror crime shit it. I'm working with. Yeah, yeah I can <laughs> she see She took a job transfer. She yeah. got promoted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happened to Strode, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. Overall, a good question. Great book. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like, we're, I'm pretty much done with my questions, but I really had to bring, I mean, I know you're trying to get into that religious aspect and, you know, the sunburst clock that froze at 333. 
I know yes. that's kind of a reference to demons, but it's also a religious thing too. The devil's yes. hour is a devil's hour, and that is totally the devil's hour. Yeah, it's supposed to be the <laughs> yes. of the time when Jesus resurrected. Yes. Right? So, yeah. So, yes. girl, you're already there. You already have the threshold <laughs> of the... T- you're yeah. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, I actually did that because um, it was interesting because I started studying religious horror when I was working on my first novel, just kind of curious, just kind of playing around with it, that kind of thing. Um, mostly to learn more about kind of like what different um, biblical texts or religious texts say about like Satan or, you know, demons, that kind of thing. And it was so weird because I was like, I don't know if I were to keep using this angle. And then when my book, my first book was completely done. Um, acknowledgments, note from the author. I got my um, first, you know, advanced reader copy. I flipped to the back and the book is exactly 333 pages long. (laughs) And I was just like, that's trippy. (laughs) So I had to use it. I had to use it. And um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Somebody was like, your next book has to be 666. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a lot of work. I mean, it happened and it's cool. It's a cool tidbit, but. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. My little story with 666 is uh, a little more evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, but... we truly enjoyed having you on. Honestly, this book was so freaking amazing. It touched on horror, it touched on trauma, it touched on things that we didn't even realize it was going to touch on. But mm-hmm. it was pretty dang good. I really, really. I don't know loved why it. I'm censoring myself. This is the first time in a long time that I'm censoring myself. But <laughs> I felt I censored myself a little bit too. I'm like, can I curse? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, thank you. <laughs> Somebody said it first, so I can say it. Now. It was so damn good. <laughs> I loved it. I'm really excited cool. to see what you have next. Yes. Well, thank you, you guys. I guess I should put in one one final plug. If you guys haven't yet, um, check out the Slasher Anthology. Yes. Um, from Kendisha uh, Press and number story number sixteen uh, is written by yours truly. All right. Um, and I like to think of it kind of as a my favorite, and I'm blushing as I'm telling you guys this. <laughs> one of my favorite my favorite reviews I've gotten so far, and I'm just like. Me, like, I had to, my editor read it to me, and I'm like, say, say it again. Like, there's no way. Um, but they told me that it reminded them of Sweeney Todd meets Psycho. Um, I have it up on my computer with the psychological brilliance of an Anne Rule true crime book. Oh, what? I'm excited. <laughs> and so I, I read know. that. And I was like, if I never get a good review again, that one just, like, sent me to the moon. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. I know. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you guys think. Yes. We will. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, yeah, absolutely. thank you guys for having me. And again, we weren't joking about, you know, inspiration for yeah. true crime. We're here or for you. Researchers. Oh, no. <laughs> we're researchers. Here. Oh, no. I'm going to message you guys. <laughs> yes. 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 You guys have to be the, the saviors. Come on, ladies. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take whatever I get. You can put me on page 666 since apparently my life is revolving around that number. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Please knock on wood, please. <laughs> it's happened in the past. Okay. I know. I know. Should I talk? Do you want do you want to hear when I was like seven years old <laughs> or six maybe we had a rotary phone I don't know I used to stay at home alone latchkey kid when my my dad used to go pick up my mom because she would work night shift and so I would prank call you know like oxyclean 
whatever, ran out of numbers. So I decided to dial 666. <laughs> oh my God. And somebody answered. <laughs> and I got scared. It was this, I remember it was a guy's voice. I remember that. And I hung up and I picked it up and he was like, you can't hang up on me. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> so I hung it up. I didn't answer it again. From that moment, okay, well, not from that moment, but in high school, my two IDs, my one in Inglewood and my one here in town when I moved to Bakersfield, ended in 666. <laughs> when I started college, my ID number ended in 666. And the most recent oh. giveaway I won was giveaway 666. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's he wants crazy. you. Like the princess oh, bride. Oh, wait, I forgot. I graduated on June 6th of 2006. <laughs> oh, my God, Stephanie. Oh, my God. That is yeah. crazy. Well, yeah. just so, a little fun oh my. fact. My my favorite record store um, is on Purdue University campus, and the it's on Main Street 666. Oh. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to go visit there. I know. Just get rid of it. On June 6th something. It's going to have to be like, I don't know. Can I live that long? Yes. (laughs) June 6th of 2066? Maybe. Hey, that's not too far from now. 40 years? No. I'll be like 70. I think I can make it. We'll all come back together. Yes. Yes. It'll be like the the Losers Club all coming back. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's plan this. Okay. So June 6th of 2066. Oh my gosh, it's like the candy man. Like we oh. keep saying it. Ah. <laughs> Don't mind me. I almost did that at the last episode. Yes, I told her she had to stop. What is our rom com friend doing with us saying it? I'm, I'm okay. I'm not saying it, so I'm yeah. okay. She, she just gives me the warnings like, hey, do you really want this to happen to you? She's like, stop it. You're inviting shit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this was awesome. The only thing that saved us last time was she didn't say it in front of a mirror, so we no, were okay. Yeah, we're and they made me say other stuff in between, so that was good. <laughs> yes. I, I love freaking out my, my twin sister. So I got um like anti, you know, the upside down crosses on my nails. <laughs> <laughs> my twin sister Hannah goes, Stop it, you're inviting shit. And I look at her like so seriously, and I go, No, it's a much more in depth process than that. And gotcha. she was like, what? And I go, I just need some of your hair. <laughs> <laughs> does does she like scary stuff too? So I got her. She's she's trying. Um, she's definitely more, <laughs> she's more like into it. Than, and she, yeah, she's trying. She's more into it than she used to be. Um, she definitely loves Vincent Price. So I can get her to watch oldies. Um, it freaks her out. It doesn't mm-hmm. help that I have. I don't know if you guys have seen this on my Instagram. I have a life-size cutout of Pennywise in my office. Yeah. Oh, no. um, I'm not going to it's your awesome. office. Yeah, you walk <laughs> up my stairs, and it's the first thing you see. And, like, I have a little night light in my office. It's actually, it's not a night light. It's lights that come from the train behind my house, and it shines. And so when you go out into, like, the landing area, um, it's Pennywise's silhouette, like, on my carpet. Oh, <laughs> my sister's like, stop. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a two-year-old, and he's already loving scary stuff. So, <laughs> amazing. Sorry, I have a one-year-old. I have a one-year-old nephew, and he hugs Pennywise. Oh, that's so that's easy. good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, I'm teaching him the Psycho theme song when he chases my brother with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're you more so awesome much. than your book, even though your book was super thank awesome. You. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are amazing, and you guys will be the first to know when when the Nowhere Man Yay. comes out. Yes. Yay. We're, we're going to be in touch guys... with you soon, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. You guys mean in touch like Instagram, right? No, like six six six. No, 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 no. Like that. You know what? Heather had yeah, noticed that we had. Um, there was a time on our um, reading sirens page where we had a thousand six hundred and sixty six followers, and it freaked me out. <laughs> beautiful. And then it changed. Then they checked it, and it changed. Oh. And then in the morning, it was back. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to um, hearing from you guys. And I'll definitely message you for some uh, writing inspiration for some names to feature in the Nowhere Man. Yes, we've got you covered. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Have a nice night. Night. Don't let Pennywise bite. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, guys. It's time for Fuck, Marry, Kill. Super creepy. (laughs) Those are the things that I gravitate to, and then they stick with me. Yes. Mm. I love it that you're scaring your coworker. I know. (laughs) It's it's fun to me. This is why you're the twisted rom com. (laughs) Yes. I obviously. (laughs) Okay. So, since we're talking about the creepy creepies, actually, the person I killed is not a creepy creep. Well, everything's just a creep in my (laughs) eyes. Yeah. Totally creep. I mean, he fucked his ex-babysitter. That's a creep in my book. Mm -hmm. So my kill is none other than Mr. Arthur Blackwood. Come on down into hell. (laughs) And the way he went out, dude. Yeah, I know. I was like, dang. That throat. Oh, I know. He had it coming. Yeah. But he also did a lot of damage, and I hate him. And he gets... Well, he died. Mm-hmm. He died twice. And he can go all the way down, dial 666, straight to hell. Okay? <laughs> Bye. Bye. And then, of course, we move on to something else. My fuck would be Jason. A lot of you might not remember because he w- was like that 15 seconds of fame person. <laughs> so, Strode, Finch, and... Um, What's his name? Officer Burklow. I think I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. They interviewed Jason, which was one of the people in the neighborhood after the massacre. Mm-hmm. And he was described as having a very long ponytail. <laughs> so your type. Possibly being a silver fox and the artsy type. Yes. <laughs> so yes. My type. That's my type. That's my type. <laughs> And then my Mary is Finch. I just mm-hmm. loved her um, and her ability to see past what's right in front of you and to actually open up her mind to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So I really liked her. And she seemed to form a personal attachment to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was like, oh, I kind of knew this person or, you know, Sarah knew that person and blah, blah, blah. So... I really, I, I liked, and, and she brought in somebody who she remembered as, you know, being in training with her. So she was just looking out for everyone. everyone. I love you, Finch. I wish I knew your first name. Oh, yeah. Girl. Girl. 
Um, my kill would be the clown just because he's creepy as fuck. And I know that's probably Heather's too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As well as Arthur, he had a Mm -hmm. go-to. My Mary would be Teddy's mom just because she was such a lover. I know. Um, My fuck would be Strode because, yeah, he just needs some love in his life. (laughs) And my BFF would be French and Barklow. Barklow just because he reminded me of Jeff Bridges from R.I.P. And with the whole cigar hanging out of his mouth. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that would be mine. I forgot about the whole BFF thing. Mm-hmm. I think if I had a BFF, it would be Mr. Abraham. Because <laughs> he was a diehard, like, ride or die, for sure. Like, yeah. He, you know, he literally killed himself for his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I almost fucked him, but... I don't know. <laughs> he was I didn't recently know. widowed, so right. you know he needed some. <laughs> he needed some, yeah. but... <laughs> My kill was also the clown, because it was very evil, the way that it was described, <laughs> so it had to go. I'm sorry, it's gone. Um, My fuck was Finch, because she knows her worth and what she wants, and I think that would be a good partner. Mm-hmm. And then I chose to marry Strode, you can have him first, and then I'll give him the rest of the love that he needs. Right. Ooh, Forever. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Bring him around town. Oh, we could be sister wives. Whatever. That, that works. Whatever works. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> I think he'd probably go crazy with both of us. I know. Ooh. Literally. Probably. <laughs> I'd push him over the edge. <laughs> Don't push me. Close to, to the, the edge. edge. <laughs> love you guys. Yeah. thank you for listening everybody please don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcast and listen to us you can listen to us on spotify the anchor app google podcast follow us on instagram at reading underscore siren so that's at r-e-a-d-i-n-g underscore s-i-r-e-n-s and we also have our gmail account which is reading sirens at gmail.com so that would be r-e-a-d-i-n-g s-i-r-e-n-s at gmail.com so feel free to write us with any suggestions any book recommendations and any feedback or questions thank you bye